Welcome back to the Ask Different Podcast. This is episode number 24, recorded February 25th, 2012. I'm Kyle Cronin. I'm Jason Solis. I'm Nathan Greenstein. And we are back again, late February, getting a little warmer, sort of, maybe, I don't know. It's <laughs> all that to the snowstorm yeah. that, uh, that I just finished and am about to go through again. Yeah, we just got actually a big uh, rainstorm where I am um, last night. I was actually driving through it. It was a little dicey at times, some people going pretty slow on the highway. But uh, I'm thankful that this winter has been comparatively mild. So that was, I think, really the only really bad snowstorm that I've had to drive through this winter. Snow, rain, freezing rain. (laughs) Out here, the the thing I've been telling everybody is until May, and in some cases June, and in some cases July, we're still under threat of snow, potentially. So that's Colorado for you. Yeah, I'm sure the worst of it is over, but... uh, definitely it's definitely not done for uh, certainly yeah so jason i was on ask different uh, the other day and i noticed i noticed something strange by your username it looked like a diamond what is it what's up with that it means that i've become a baseball teacher no no it doesn't mean that uh the ask different community moderator elections wrapped up and myself b mike and daniel both of which we've had on the podcast as co-hosts are all now uh newly elected moderators for the community well congratulations to everyone thank you thank you congratulations guys it uh it's been a long time coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm curious. You've you've had access to the moderator tools for about a week and a half now. What do you think so far? Um, it's shiny and uh, it, it's it's kind of a trip that a lot of the. It's pretty interesting in the way that a lot of the tools that I've been using for a while anyways, like close voting and flagging and anything like that, you can still do them. It's just that the the actionable result it's it's a lot more immediate uh, i accidentally i accidentally sent a question to another stack exchange site because i was i thought i was basically just like documenting oh it's more on topic over here it's not on topic here on ask different and it did the migration and yeah. so i jumped in uh, i i asked for help real quick and i found out that i can undo that surprisingly enough uh, in my opinion but i undid the migration and closed it you can undo the migration on our site but once it's sent to the other site they have a copy of that as well so did you contact the mods on the other site and say hey yeah, yeah it was a, it was a cross-site discussion okay good yeah. But yeah, you 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 close. You go to you go to essentially vote for something like I have been for upwards of a year now. And when you go to close vote, and you, you don't you don't vote, you just do. And since you didn't click that fancy little thing that says mod, it's just you know it's kind of a trip, right? Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you you noticed this. I, I certainly hope you haven't played with this. <laughs> but when you actually flag something as a spam or offensive, that flag it, it, typically if I, I think it's like five normal users that have the ability to flag stuff as offensive. If they say something is offensive, then it's removed immediately and the person's docked, I think, 100 rep. Well, if you're a moderator, that happens immediately. <laughs> so you, if something really is like really offensive and they're not just like a one rep user, but they're someone that really should know better, you can not only can you remove it, but you can give them a 100 rep penalty right there. Yeah, after after the the small little slip ups, I've basically taken the tack that what what a moderator says goes, and so I shouldn't I shouldn't act as I shouldn't act as a contributor. I should act as a 
as an actor, as an enforcer, because that will be the end result. Right, exactly. Is it scary or is it just more, um, more it's, it's scary when you make a mistake, <laughs> like the like the aforementioned migration uh, accident. But I mean, it's 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 a little bit of a boost to the ability that we've been collectively working towards for a while. Uh, Daniel Daniel was mentioning how there was a question that had all three of us recently elected myself, Daniel, and B Mike. That when he went back to the question. Instead of being closed by just one diamond mod, it was now closed by four diamond mods because of the because of the username updates. Where originally it was myself, B Mike, and Daniel all voting to close on a question, and then either you, Kyle, or Nathan being the one to actually solidify that. Now it's just a pure fleet of diamonds in the question, and it's just kind of funny to see because you you shouldn't see more than one diamond in a question. But of course, we're talking you know retroactive now. Right, right, yeah. This question was so bad; it took four diamonds to close. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was so powerful that four diamonds had to overcome it. Exactly. I almost think that the uh, diamond shouldn't be applied retroactively to your old posts because it's not an action that you took as a moderator. It's an action that you took as a user. But I guess that would be fairly high overhead and yeah, that's small kinda, benefit. They, it, it, speaking technically, it would be a little bit harder to overcome because they'd have to statisize the usernames in the post and then it doesn't if you do that it doesn't follow name changes or anything else like that either so it's just it's just a username display yeah and so on the stack exchange blog blog.stackoverflow.com there was a recent post about a new feature uh the greatest hits of a particular site it's uh the top thousand questions they're sorted based on the number of page views and the anonymous feedback given on the question and answers so they're actually doing something with the was this helpful to you button uh, links now. Although I don't understand why it doesn't incorporate voting. It seems like that would be logical. But I guess if it's a greatest hits to people who aren't members of the site. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, this is a, a, a new feature and I'm sure the algorithm will get tweaked as, as they go. But yeah, maybe maybe it's designed to capture not the greatest hits for for people on the site, but uh, what questions are really popular for people that aren't members, people that are looking in from the outside? The internet in general? Right. The prolific Google, the, the prolific, uh, what's the what's the term that they use for that? Uh, organic traffic, the, the, the greatest hits for the organic users, mm-hmm. organic visitors. I, I think organic is actual people. I, I Organic is search traffic that's not sponsored. Okay. But yeah, we, we've got questions like, what tiny thing in line has made you smile or caught you off guard? Um, Why can't I add or edit contacts on my new iPhone 4? Right. Um, of- oh, there's also, I noticed this the other day, There's a we have a question on Ask Different with 145,000 views. This Actually, when I noticed it a few days ago, it was 143,000 views. So it's, it's gone up 2,000 views in just a few days. Uh, it's how do I block specific telephone numbers on my iPhone 4? Not a particularly great question, not particularly helpful, but for some reason, it hits the right keywords and really gets those Google search terms for some reason. You okay. should refresh it, because it's already up to 145 now. No, I mentioned it was 145. Oh, I thought you said 143 to 144. Oh, well, sorry. I, it, I initially said it was 145, um, but I may have misspoken later. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's 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 really kind of a mystery what questions um, will get picked up by Google and which ones won't. This one, this one is pretty understandable in the general sense. It's it's really unfortunate because the answers are one. the 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 answers are one: you can't. Two: talk to your carrier. Three: jailbreak and use. I think there's like I blacklist or something like that in Cedia. But it's it's not. It, it's it's probably the best example of the most specific person question, the the general person question that applies to everybody, especially in the season right now election season and between between robocalls like i can think back two or three years when there's the the warranty on your vehicle is almost expired that everybody was getting and complaining about um robocalls telemarketers calls that are legitimate but people don't want like you know bill collection agencies or something like that actually this Uh, i i could totally totally agree and this is a huge problem and actually i've been thinking about um filtering for a long time and how there's really only one place that gets it right, and that's Gmail. Everywhere else, you know, if I want to filter the, the the calls that I get through on my phone, if I want to filter the tweets that I get through on my stream, there's virtually no way to do that with the built-in software. There's the the closest thing I've come. I think that uh, I think that something that your carrier would be able to provide uh, is probably the best answer in the most circumstances. Um, if you do jailbreak, then that's a possibility. But honestly, there's something for for me, anyways, that's good enough outside of the fact that it could cut you off from what you're doing. Um, I remember back in 2008, um, I created a contact that was I, I think I called it political spam, or I called it you know like silent silent numbers or something like that. And I would set the ringtone on it to a completely silent ringtone, and I would also shut off. Uh, shut off any vibration patterns or anything like that. And whenever I would get a call or a stupid voicemail or something I just don't care about, uh, hit your recent calls, add to contact, spam. And then at least if I'm not actually actively using my phone, I'm pretty much completely unaware that I even got a call while it was ringing, for lack of a better term. Can you shut off vibration for an individual number? Does that work? I I think with the... Um, with the new custom vibration patterns, you can. Um, If you go, if you uh, have an iPhone, I think it's actually been everything since 3GS. So 3GS and above, I'm sure there's still some users that are hunkering down with their first gen or 3G for uh, their respective reasons. Um, But on 3GSs and above, if you go into settings and then general, there should be an option for accessibility all the way down at the bottom. And you can turn on custom vibrations. Uh, now that I think about it, I think this is also iPhone uh, iOS 5 specific, but that still runs on a 3GS. Uh, so under accessibility, you can turn on custom vibrations, and you can basically just record a vibration pattern that's nothing, and then assign that to a contact, and you won't even have vibrations even if your ringer's turned off either. That's that's a really, really clever hack, and, and it certainly would works. But the problem is... I I don't want that to go to my phone at all. Yeah. I I want to completely I mean I want to completely avoid even having that available. That's like that's like you know if you've got something in your Twitter feed that you don't want to look at, that's like just turning the text white so you can't see it. It's like well it's still there, you know. <laughs> um 
And and I was trying to sort of make a more general point about filtering in that there are tons of things I want to filter. Like there are people that I want to follow on Twitter that just tweet way too much or tweet things or tweet sometimes about things that I'm really interested in and other times tweet about things that I'm totally not interested in. Like if John Gruber tweets about Apple stuff, I definitely want to read that. If John Gruber tweets about baseball, I don't. <laughs> and there's you can you can always tell when when baseball season starts uh when you get those those constant tweets from Gruber where he's basically replaying a game that he's watching. And I I I even tweeted this past year, oh, looks like it's that time of the year when I have to unfollow Gruber again. Things like that, uh things like Google Reader. Um it's it's kind of strange, you know, for a company that produces Google Plus, uh not Google Plus, uh, Google uh, Gmail and Google Voice that have really, really good filtering capabilities that they don't offer anything for Google Reader. The assumption is that if I subscribe to a feed, I want to read every single item in that feed, and every single item in that feed will appear in my list of things I have to read, uh, and which is absolutely not the case. There's, I, there's definitely situations where I want to subscribe to a feed to see some things but I want to have a, an easy way to just sort of filter out other things. And I, it, it's just, it's something that I think, you know, it's, it's something that not many people will want to fiddle with. And it's certainly, it's a, it's a power user feature, but I, I'm just surprised that there's, there's so few uh, companies and services that actually support advanced filtering. Filtering is pretty hard though. I mean, that's, that's one thing that was really born out of working for a web host, as I did before, is that people would the the type of person that would really complain about this this and that needs to be better, this and that needs to be done automatically, even if it doesn't need to. Um, like, like people, I've seen people get so carried away with their filters that they filter more and then complain when they miss legitimate messages. It's it's the opposite end of the coin. Uh, like they'll they'll go through and filter out a bunch of well, we'll just say the most prolific spam topic today, in my opinion. And they have to start filtering out not just the primary name, but the misspellings of it and the the number substitution for letters of it. And it just becomes this sprawling, huge, disgusting list because, oh, just learn regular expressions. Well, that doesn't really solve the problem either. Uh, the, the, the layman does not necessarily know what, what regular expressions are or how to get it correct. Yeah, um, I think that you, you saying that sometimes people filter filter out too much. Uh, what I what I think is that you you basically need two filters. You need one that says anything in this uh, I don't want to see, and then you have one that says anything in this that I really do want to see. And so, um, if something comes through and it doesn't, it's not something that you don't want to see, or something that you say that yes, you really do want to see, it goes through and you see it. If something comes through and it's in your I don't want to see it, but it's not in your I do really do want to see it, it doesn't go through. But if something is in both your I don't want to see it and I really do want to see it, it goes through. So you you can have someone uh, say. I, I want to ignore anything with these keywords, but if any, but if anything that has those keywords comes through with these other keywords, then I really do want to see it. So it provides a way to make sure that you're seeing the things that you want to see. There's a reason why these things are just so expansive and why there's so many different implementations because there's the there's the security stringent 
uh, no is the greatest answer, and there's the and then there's the more inclusive version where yes is the greatest answer. A yes overrides a no as opposed to a no overrides a yes. It'd be great if all of these were options, but at the same time, choosing the correct one is not always correct in all instances. Well, that's something that the user would have to decide for themselves. I mean, I think that if I were using it, I would err on the side of, you know, I would have things in my includes, uh, in my definitely show me this thing that may let some things through that I don't want to see, but I'd rather have that as opposed to skipping things that I really do want to see. I remember when uh, PHPBB3 came out and everybody was just, uh, they were just aghast over the privacy schemes because because it went from on or off to uh, no, yes, and unset, and unset was a soft no. Um, it's it's hard because one one you really have to understand this, and two, the developer, the the author, the host, whoever, really has to make this obvious. And the two of those are usually pretty mutually exclusive. And I think I think the way that you started this this whole discussion off is probably the most correct thing that you can say is that Gmail, when it comes to, of course, uh, email specifically, uh, they they really got it right. I, I I've seen one piece of spam in I, I I would say that I see probably one piece of spam every I don't know six months, and I kind of habitually review my my spam list, and I I skim it a lot faster than my inbox. I've definitely recovered something out of the spam box less often than I have had to actually manually mark something as spam. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I, I was sort of referring to both the, uh, spam filtering and the fact that you can do manual filtering with Gmail as well, but I was kind of referring to the latter a bit more. Um, but well, I, I think, think, I think having both is important because if you can crowdsource the, or I guess less crowdsource and more, just Google taking all of their email data. Um, if you can, if you can handle stuff that everybody wants automatically, like spam, then let the user focus on their own filters. Then you can give more specific tools for that, and you can also make it more accessible because it's kind of frequently it's a different kind of filtering that you want to do for your personal use or just for spam. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely think that you want both, um, and I would love if Twitter <laughs> um, were better with their their um, tweet spam things. Um, but I would like, uh, as as someone that's kind of a power user, I would like the ability to override that. You know, if someone tweets at me with uh, a shortened URL and they don't have um, any followers, um, and their description says something like webcam or I, I don't know. Just you clearly, clearly spam. Um, Probably don't show free it to me. or something in there. In yeah, their bio. yeah. But it's one of those things where um, I I can be relatively confident that uh, any given spam filter will get rid of what I want to get rid of. Um, but I want the ability to sort of tweak it manually. Um, and so, so, and this, this sort of idea of filtering out spam doesn't really work well with, um, like following someone on Twitter, for example, if you follow someone on Twitter, presumably, um, the assumption is you want to read everything that they tweet. And so nothing is filtered out. Uh, whereas that's obviously not necessarily the case. There's also the argument for 
whether or not you should even force users to have to really make these decisions because it does get very difficult very quickly. Um, if I if I were if I were given the option of setting these rules when I followed someone, I've I've been in a situation where I've set them up and I've forgotten and I've wondered why why something went wrong, why when I view their profile directly is different than what I see in my timeline. And I consider myself a pretty smart user. Well, obviously, most people will not want to play with this. And and it's certainly something that if 99% of the users don't even know it exists, uh, that shouldn't necessarily affect uh, the 1% that would really, really find that handy. Um, but I think that there's, you're right. I mean, because there's so few people that would even care about filtering stuff, there is no real incentive for these companies to, to provide it. And I think part of the reason why, uh, you get the custom filtering with split stuff like Gmail is because they're already doing it with spam filtering. Yeah. Which Twitter inevitably is well past needing to do it because yeah, that my, my spam situation on Twitter, even as a private user is completely different and i i can only imagine what it's like i can only imagine what it's like being a twitter celebrity or worse an actual celebrity uh between the things that are illegitimate but just look like garbage all the general you know mentions and whatnot from users uh paired with all of the spam that has to be interlaced from bots that just that you know scrape scrape the the public feed and pick and go directly to the biggest accounts on twitter yeah, I hate that. You know, whenever you post something, um, there's like a 50% chance that you'll get an, um, a spam app mentioned just because you know there's things that are monitoring uh, the, the public feed of everybody that's posting everything. Public feed and, or just a specific Twitter search and they just start bombarding everything that every result that comes into the search result feed. Yeah, the, the idea that, that Twitter is one giant conversation and community is, I think, um, doesn't scale and it's a broken idea. Um, I think Twitter should wake up and realize that the idea of providing a stream of all the tweets of everyone in the world um, and and being able to to so easily um, scrape and search them that is is not something that is very beneficial and does have certain kind of high costs uh, in terms of spam. Um, which could cause people to stop using the service. There's also the opposite, and that's curating curating a specific collection, uh, and usually you accomplish that by filtering, very explicitly filtering for things. Something, something that we saw on Ask Different pretty recently that a lot of users are really, really positive about was this really latent answer, and that's using spotlight comments for categor- categorization of files. And you can enable those comments in the finder and then sort on the whole column. That's pretty neat. Actually, it's, it's interesting you mentioned us different because um, my whole concept of having something that you want to see and something that you don't want to see comes a little bit from Ask Different and Stack Exchange in general's um, interesting tags and ignored tags. Um, and I was I was of the opinion um, a while ago, and I still am, that if I have something in my interesting tag, it should override uh, the ignored tag and, and I should see it. Um, I'm, I'm but, assu- I've never actually really used the feature. I'm assuming you're saying it's the reverse? It is the reverse, where um, the, the assumption is that anything in the ignored tags is something that you don't want to see, um, which I think is 
you 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 have to use the te- you have to use the filtering differently if you, if that's going to be the case you have to say well i really don't want to see questions about um say uh, on stack overhaul i don't really want to see questions about say uh oh the the jvm uh but i actually do want to see questions about say stuff about jruby you know but someone might tag their question ruby jruby jvm and it might be a ruby-ish question just happens to be running on the jvm but and, and that, that might be something that you're interested in, but you're not otherwise interested in questions about the JVM. You used to remind me, Nathan. You said that you used to filter the iOS tag on Ask Different because you didn't have any experience with an iOS device, right? I've never. I, I mean, I filtered mentally. I never used the ignored tags because I liked liked reading the questions just for for interesting. I don't know. I I use uh, favorited tags for for Lion and for AppleScript and. That's nice, and I use ignored tags on some other sites, um, and I, I'm, I'm largely okay with the system. I, I think it's good that it just dims things instead of taking them out completely, because that way you can still look at it if you're interested, but if you're just browsing, you can skip over it pretty easily. Um, I I tend to agree, I think, with Kyle that uh, favorited tags should override ignored tags, but that's you know that's the kind of a user user specific decision and there's not a lot of user specific preferences on the stack exchange network in general this conversation can actually become a lot more interesting in the future because one of the there's there's two notable exceptions to the well it's not so much of a problem now uh, but it certainly could turn out to be is that on a site that's as high traffic and has such a moving you know recent questions list as stack overflow is that um they based off your favorited and ignored tags, they will actually show you a dramatically different front page when you just visit stackoverflow.com. Uh, the The weight calculations that go into everything are affected by your tags. The other part is that some time ago, um, I don't know, maybe four to five months ago or so, uh, the system, the, the whole Stack Exchange backend started highlighting things that it figured you would favorite because of your, I, I think it was basically like, vote totals based off a particular tag and unfortunately the answer was well this is a feature and if you don't want to use it put set up some ignored and favorited tags and so i just entered garbage into the ignored tags field and now everything's the same color because generally i want to review the entire the entirety of all the ask different questions yeah and there's also uh someone made a bookmarklet that you can just tap and then it just um display nuns all the um questions and stuff or whatever elements have the um ignored tag <laughs> uh styling so you it's very easy to if you if you really don't want to see those questions at all you can click that bookmarklet and then it'll just remove everything um uh, from from site uh that uh, you indicated that you didn't want to see yeah that's a helpful little piece of the metadata that's included in any uh bookmarklet user style uh user script or straight up browser extension you know it, it just takes somebody implementing it right so, um, <laughs> there was a little bit of Apple news last week, just a little just bit, some some tiny little thing. Yeah, what is what was it again? I completely forgot. Apple's re-releasing a- Puma. Wait, oh, no, no, that's, that's right. not it. They're calling it a mountain lion now. Oh, mm-hmm. so they're so they're re-releasing macOS ten point one. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. I'm actually gonna get to see Aqua again with 
Internet Explorer as the default browser. Oh, wow. When that you was install it, it asks then, you if you want a it? trial oh. of Earthlink. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh I, for, I completely forgot about IE for Mac. To think that I've actually used it like once. It's it's really crazy when you install some of the older operating systems just how much um, non-Apple software there is. Because nowadays, if you install um, Mac OS X, or now it's called OS X, uh, everything, soup to nuts, you see is Apple software. But uh, a while ago, um, you know, I mentioned there, they included Earthlink. They included Internet Explorer. There were several other apps that I'm not thinking of right now that uh, were included with OS X, um, but were not made by Apple. And now you turn it on and you get Safari, iTunes. I mean, so, ma- so many of it. stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of the iLife stuff for a new purchase. Uh, I didn't have that when I bought my Mac Mini, but that's because it was refurbished and I actually didn't even have the OS discs either. Oops. But yeah, they, <laughs> they have their own office suite. They have their own creativity suite. Um, all of their pro tools th- th- those have been around for a while perhaps not not 10 one while but they've been around for a while now um yeah yeah so they are releasing mac os 10.8 this summer they're calling it mountain lion i'm gonna keep calling it snow lion until i get my head around the new name <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really strange that these it's interesting that they've decided to start doing these compound names and the the argument that a mountain lion is just a puma notwithstanding um that it, it's a whole it, this one is a little bit different from snow leopard in the sense that it's not just a coat of polish that snow leopard was very very specifically made out to be because mountain lion mountain lion is is back to my back to the mac again uh because of the mm-hmm. the iosification of so many things and in my opinion, that's not really a bad thing. It's a much smaller step than um, Snow Leopard to to Lion was, and I think that's what they're they're going for the big step, small step pattern. Same with the iPhone four, four S, five. I assume five S once that happens. Yeah, I guess I think uh, they're, they're moving. I think they're moving towards that in several places. That's probably a good point because Lion already saw like the new the new mail app layout the new calendar layout the new address book uh and mountain lion is just going to start bringing a few more of those in yeah i mean the the whole whole new look for windows and buttons and everything and the ex- expose and everything getting completely renovated i i think it is i don't forget resume and oh yeah resume yeah. and versions and autosave yeah. and all that it was it was a bigger step up and i think a lot of the uh the mountain lion features are designed for integration and uh, refinement so integration is all their iCloud stuff uh, reminders and notes syncing with all the other stuff and uh, moving those features out of mail but then a lot of it is just kind of refinements on the the existing systems or bringing stuff from iOS with notification center and what else is from iOS notification center more linen <laughs> um, more, uh, notes notes and reminders or did you mention right. those twitter yeah, integration share oh, yeah, sheets yeah. yep um and uh, someone I, I think it was jason mentioned that the change between leopard and snow leopard is less than the change between lion and mountain lion and i actually kind of disagree because there were a lot of i mean visually as ter- in terms of the interface there weren't that many changes between um leopard and snow leopard 
um, but there were a ton of under the hood changes. It went Intel only. It had um, um, their core distributed computing thingy Brand that Central. they had. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a ton of stuff under the hood uh, that, in many ways, I think was more of a change than you know that some of these very superficial changes i mean the fact that they're breaking out reminders from i from ical and notes from mail oh great <laughs> the, those aren't those aren't two new features <laughs> no you're, you're right yeah and and i even even the the icloud integration is it's a, it's a baby it's in its baby stages right now well no um well yeah the the icloud integration um I said this in my in my long about lines and men article that no one commented on. So people it was out a good there, article. Just people didn't <laughs> have comments. Well, I think a good article leaves people with something to say in response to it. Um, so if it was just very sort of hedging and wishy washy, and people saying eh, I neither agree nor disagree or nothing in this article moves me to comment, then I think that I kind of failed as an author. Um, but one of the things I mentioned was that, um, so supposedly one, so iCloud integration, well, basically the only real change, uh, in iCloud integration in mountain lion, as opposed to lion is the addition of documents in the cloud. Um, and I said in the article that I had not yet seen a screenshot of how it worked, but that I'd heard copious descriptions of the, the, the it basically was like the, home screen on an iOS device or launch pad on a Mac, uh, where you've got just like a, a grid of icons that they're for your documents. And then you could have a single level folder that you can go into. Um, since then I have seen a screenshot and yes, it does look pretty stupid, uh, on a Mac. And I completely agree with my, I still agree with my <laughs> assessment in the article that it's baby software, uh, just because the whole, I, the whole process of managing stuff in the cloud, in iCloud versus out of iCloud and, and using different apps to edit stuff, uh, in, that you had already created in iCloud is just a huge pain. Um, I definitely don't think that that's ready for anything more than, you know, people that have, uh, say twelve documents. You know, if you've got a hundred documents, that system is not going to cut it for you. It's it's a really nice system for app to app syncing, where the Reminders app saves reminders, and there they are in the uh, the desktop Reminders app. That works fine, and it's great because that's not data that a user would probably be touching anyway. Even with a third party Notes app, it would probably be syncing with Dropbox behind the scenes. You wouldn't be messing with it. Right. But anything that's got a file system or any kind of a hierarchy with folders or, or any organization or where you need to sort by anything meaningful, sort by date modified, something like that, you can't you can't do that. And it's not it's not really an effective system for for any kind of bulk storage and i i can kind of see moving towards keeping things within their apps but honestly i never use just one app for for a, pro- a project i'm working on and i like to organize things by project not by here i've got the markdown file for this blog post and here i've got the ad artwork for this blog post and here i've got the um i don't know the screencast for this post or something right and I, well, first of all, none of those apps support iCloud, but that could be fixed. Um, it's just not an efficient way to organize things for me. I, I organize things by project, not by app. Yeah, actually, I think that that is, that is a very, very good observation. The fact that people, 
like you said, have many different kinds of files for a single kind of project. And iCloud has no solution for this. iCloud uh, assumes that everything can be treated the same way that they're treating reminders or notes where uh, it's just a single app running on multiple platforms that syncs with iCloud. Um, and that the note itself is the be all end all. Everything you need is in the note. The note is everything you need for that particular piece of information. And that's just not true at all. Like you said, if you're working on a blog post, you're going to have screenshots. You're going to have, um, uh, videos. Maybe you're going to have the text of the article and you want to keep these together. Um, (laughs) and the idea that you're going to go into your, um, image editor app and you're only going to and you're going to have a completely separate hierarchy for all your images and then you're going to go into your text editing app and you're going to have a completely separate hierarchy for your text uh documents it's just um and and the only the only hope for something like that is sorting the files by date modified so you can just grab the last one or the the idea that the one you want is the one you last used but you can't even do that it's just sorted by Here's a bunch of icons. You can't, yeah, and I think it's alphabetical, I think. So, oh, hold on. There's still one exception that I take with all of this, is that it's all about the interface. Um, for applications that now store their documents inside of the the, the, the protected document storage for that application, um, you're assuming that it's basically going to be presented like everything else is. And in the short term, that's probably true, and it's probably going to be pretty unfortunate we think um, there, there's there, there's reality to this, and then there's kind of a, a wishy washy Apple hope in this. Um, the reality is, it's just an interface. Right now, they just basically use the the, the icon view to uh, to display everything that's listed in their document pool. But you assume that developers won't wise up or have a new reference to some kind of uh, project grouping like. I don't know, let's go with Coda projects, or even Xcode projects for that matter. You have one front file that represents the entirety of the project, and then you drill into the specific aspects of it. Yes, that's app-specific. I agree with that. I understand that. That's fine. But just saying, when it comes to the actual app file interface... It can be fixed. That's where the that, that's where the wishy the wishy washy kind of comes in. Is that? But there's no way to directly access the files on an iOS device, or even on like you can't access your iCloud files directly on a Mac either. So what would you're saying? Oh yeah, there might be some sort of unified interface. Well, on Macs, that's the Finder. What is there going to be on iOS? Is there going to be some sort of launcher app that where you can then see your iOS? The, different- the argument in iOS is moot for now for the sake that you don't have two apps side by side. You don't launch you don't launch your projects into five different apps. You piecemeal it and work bit by bit. This argument is solely for OS X and not for iOS. So the, the wishy-washy part that I'm talking about is that now that Apple's going to be restricting this this some call it usability now that apple is going to restrict this accessibility i have to think that when they come up with their um their their grand reveal that we're going to see a lot more about mountain lion and one of those is more than likely going to be an interface intended to replace the use of the finder for this in-app data 
I would be very surprised if that happened because everything I've seen sort of points to Apple trying to uh, eliminate the idea of people having to go to the file, which then opens the application. But that's they want. But that's that's what? to open it. But in order to actually get it out, and maybe like I said, it is wishy washy, and maybe the answer is oh, just use the sharing button, um, which is it's a mixed bag. If it automatically like archives it into a zip and pushes it out over email or uploads it to a service. What's wrong with that? But I agree. Like, like, like I said, this is this is very much prediction. This is very much speculation. This is very much I want to see it, and I've kind of grown to expect it out of Apple. I have, I have no doubt that this kind of stuff would work works well with certain kinds of of documents, like reminders, like calendars, like music, like um, notes. Kind of, I guess. Uh, although I, I can see the need to get at, at the actual notes from other documents, um, but I think trying to trying to shoehorn this into actual real applications like Pages is just not the direction to go in. Pages is kind of a silly example, in my opinion, because as far as I'm aware, there's no concept of a project. There's just a concept of a single file. But you put the Pages document with other documents, PDFs whatever in a single folder that indicates this is a specific thing that i'm working yeah the documents folder (laughs) yeah you you can make yes you can make subfolders with related related materials but they can all but in pages they can only be pages documents so you can make a make a folder in pages but it's you can only put pages documents in there it's like what if i want to put a pdf in there pages and has pdf export and I'm okay sure so what if i put what if i want to have put something in but what if i want to put a psd in there so pages this does is, not support a full access to psds this is actually the biggest thing that's keeping me away from this stuff right now when i'm working on a blog post say it's a screencast we're going to start doing those that's a another way to contribute to the blog let me know if you're interested sorry done with that um if, if i'm making a screencast for the blog i first have my markdown file for an outline then i have maybe a markdown file for a script and then i have the once i've recorded it i've got the recorded video the raw video clips and then i've got the file that's the intro for the screencast and then i've got the imovie project file and then i've got the rendered copy in several revolu- resolutions and then i've got the psd and the rendered png for the ad that we're going to put up for that screencast so there first of all there's no way that all that's going to be in the same app it shouldn't be and second there's no way that most of those apps are going to support iCloud. For for iMovie supporting iCloud is just not practical. There's not that much space. And for something like After Effects, same deal. And for Photoshop, it eh, could be practical. That's not something Adobe is going to touch. And until there's a way to mount your iCloud as like your iDisk in Finder so that you can access folders in there and open the things with any app you want or put in files that aren't necessarily associated with an Apple app or an app that supports iCloud until we get there i'm not going to be able to use it even if i wanted to i couldn't because i wouldn't be able to have all the files i need and having them spread out in two different places that's that's not fragmentation i want i would rather keep it all local and use the dropbox or whatever other synchronization software definitely i agree so i guess the only the only refuting i can really do is that one like I said, it, it's completely wishy-washy, and I don't know what the answer is. I just hope that there's going to be one because it would 
it would be typical Apple uh, surprise and uh, and you know the, the the grand reveal, the fantastic reveal of everything that they've been working so hard on to make this to make this more usable. Um, I I agree with everything you said. Period. But the argument, now that I think about it, isn't very different from well, why are you putting training reels on OS ten when I already use it to develop apps? They're not going to touch those. That w- everything that you just described is your own creative endeavor, and you're still going to be able to do that. I'm fairly confident in saying that. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried bit, about. It. I'm a bit on the fence about iWork. I don't know exactly what they're going to do if they're just going to take what they have and augment it with this, you know, uh, cl- uh, iCloud document storage and whatnot, and make those additionally available without completely uh, decimating the open and save dialogues, but this this is what apple has been doing for the majority of people the people that do not do things as grand as you and are whether whether that's casual consumer only but they don't they don't have these production uh they don't have these production tasks they don't do these things with their computer they are making the computer even more accessible to general users um and because of the nature of computing, there is no way they will apply this to everybody because it would decimate their developer their developer base and Xcode and anybody else that are, I, I believe the term is, creative professionals. I agree with you for that. That's definitely a good point. And for, for something like school, maybe we're maybe I'm doing something in school, even a big complex report, I've probably only got a few files. I've got an outline and my full text and maybe a bibliography document. And those are all probably going to be the same application. So I can definitely see where something simple like that, I've got three documents and pages. They're my last use documents, assuming that the interface is, is uh, updated a little bit so that it you get some some nice ways to select what files you want to open, and that would actually work just fine. I, I see what you're saying. There's this there's this principle in business that's the uh, I, I I believe it's the eighty twenty rule that twenty percent of your users will use eighty percent of your service, and it's just a fact because it's people that get it, understand it, and do it. And Apple's trying to flip that on its heads, on its head. They're trying to. Uh, wait, they're trying is it, to, is it, isn't eighty percent of your users will use twenty percent of your service? I've because that makes more sense. Well, it does in the sense that the other eighty percent is being taken up by the other twenty percent. So no, I, what, what we said, <laughs> we're, what, we both said the same thing from different vantage points. Well, what you, and I'll I will let you continue your point. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, the, the majority... They both work. <laughs> the, yeah, the majority, the, the the vast majority of your service is going to be used prolifically by a minority of your users. Um, and Apple's trying to change that. And they've shown that with iOS devices that they've been insanely successful in doing that. Yeah, a lot of people may just use uh, mobile Safari, mail, uh, phone in the case of an, uh, of an iPhone... And uh, there's a reason why they included the YouTube app. The majority of users, uh, I would not be surprised to find out, don't even have a second page of apps. Well, maybe a second page because it overflows by default. But it would not surprise me that all of these iOS users use everything that's built in and don't sprawl out. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So they're taking these features, bringing them to a computer, and they're 
finally making computers even more broadly accessible so that people can can use them appropriately to to their specific use. You know, I was just thinking I I actually use very few um of the built-in apps um at least on my Mac. Um you know, mail just wasn't really doing it for me and so I switched to Sparrow. Um you know, the reminders in i iCal is is a joke and so I'm using OmniFocus. You know, uh, notes. I'm, oh my god! I'm, I hate the look of marker felt. I cannot believe that they are still using this skeuomorphic uh, note. Change it to Helvetica. Oh, well, even yeah. Okay, I can change it to Helvetica. But even if you, you still got the stupid little note that looks like lined paper in the app, it's horrible. So I'm using um, notational velocity. I'm syncing that to my iPhone uh, using. Um, Hogbase Software's something something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an amazing app, Kyle. Yeah, the, it does stuff. Um, and so, <laughs> and so, um, and 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 I'm actually looking for maybe trying to replace things like like Address Book uh, and iCal because I really really hate the the, the look of the apps that they're go- that they're you know they're the address book in, in particular went from something that was very minimal very usable in snow leopard and they completely destroyed it <laughs> for lion uh, i absolutely hate using it i'm um, not going to keep beating this into the ground beyond this one more time the the majority of these changes are not for you well okay what what my point was was that um it's it's a little disappointing that apple's you know apple makes these apps but then eventually someone wants to do a little more than the app will let them do and then the app and then there, there's no way to sort of um interoperate or extend it's nope you got to find a new app that that can replace this app and that's a little disappointing um i wish that there was a way to say for example um integrate with the uh the the synchronous the the iCloud data for reminders with a third-party app. Think something like Clear certainly would perfectly benefit from that. Um, but as far as I know, that there there's not. Clear would have to develop their own Mac version and then sync it using a, the their own uh, iCloud um, keys and stuff. I think that would be kind of the other half of allowing other third-party apps access to iCloud features, letting users park things as public and or or authorize specific apps to use them and getting integration like that. I think I, I, I haven't mentioned it specifically, but in my head, I've been thinking Dropbox is really the, the answer that works for me, me particularly for a lot of this stuff, because it lets me keep these files in the right folder hierarchy and with the right apps. And then it also lets me uh, set folders that are just for synchronization and use, use apps that synchronize like text expander or, What's the other one I just got? Anyway, Text Expander and other apps that synchronize with the Dropbox, and it's just a little little folder that's a little sandbox for that app that you never have to touch, but that you can you can still let other apps use if they if you want to. You can if I if I had Text Expander syncing with Dropbox, and then I wanted to get some other text expansion app for my phone, 
uh, as long as they had a way to import text expander files, which would be fine, they're just XML, then I could point it at that folder and it would work. And I know that that's, that's unlikely since Apple doesn't like to do a lot of that privacy user controls access kind of thing, which is fine. Again, for most people, that's the right answer. Um, but I, I still think that's, that's another reason why iCloud is not, not for me. I guess all I have to say, continuing on the wishy-washy hopefulness, is that it's only inevitable that it's going to be added to future general Apple SDKs. That mm-hmm. this data is going to become generally available for, in theory, calendaring apps, but really for anything. It's not there yet. iCloud is still very new, and they're going to continue to roll out some very significant changes, and who knows? Maybe that will be part of the event in, oh, when are they going to have it? I don't know, June? Probably. July. Probably WDC. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys think about the removal of the word Mac from everywhere? <laughs> I've got no problem with it. OS ten is... You know, you don't find that that sounds a little more awkward than Mac OS ten. No, it's shorter. <laughs> I mean, I've been. I think I just call it ten. If it's just you know me and someone else who knows what I'm talking about, I don't bother with the rest of it. Wow, I've never, I've never quite gotten it down to that level. Uh, it'll be nice because all of the all of the users that have been around for a while will stop calling it Macintosh. I don't know why that bugs me. It just really does for some reason. I don't know if it's an accent thing, but it's just whenever that that's my little personal in joke is that whenever but whenever somebody calls it a Macintosh, they've been using uh they've been using Apple software, hardware, anything of the sort for probably eight to ten years at least. Yeah, at least ten years. I believe that's when they transitioned officially to calling it just Mac instead of Macintosh. And I mean it's not even it, it's not really that big a deal. I mean we don't I guess we don't call it anything besides an iPhone or an iPod or an iOS device because there never has been another name for it. But frankly, I like the ring of um, OS X for a general desktop, which isn't a good word either, or laptop or server or anything of the sort. I like the ring of an OS X device versus an iOS device. Do you remember when they first announced the iPhone? They're like, and it runs OS X. That, everyone was like, whole, oh my god! That whole thing is still very weird because, I, I, yeah, it's a common base and it makes things easier and maybe this is the result of it, that the fact that they're actually reigning in OS ten much more dramatically. But uh, I don't know. For for being as different as they are, it's, it was very weird to be presented in such a way. But I guess the point that they were making is that you do all these things on your desktop and you'll do a fair amount of them on a little device that slides right into your pocket. It's, it's, it's just a name. It's not, it's not like it's called Mac OS X because it is the 10th version of the operating system that runs on Macs. It happens to be, but that's not why people call it Mac OS X or OS X now. It's just the name. And the same reason it's called iOS. It's not operating system for iDevices which isn't even true because of the iMac and everything. It's just called iOS. That's the name. You know, why is Windows called Windows? There's no specific reason but for that. It, it feels like they're chopping off part of the name, an important part of the name. Well, it's like, it feels like they're chopping off part of the name because they are chopping off part of the name. <laughs> and and I mean, that's all they're doing. They're c- chopping compared, off part of their name. They're not chopping off what it's for. It's not no longer for Macs. They chopped well, off why, computers from their, business, from their company well, name. Well, why are they making this change? Why? There's, I mean, 
OS 10 is still only going to run on Macs. Why is there, why is this distinction being made? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Got, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me. I'm okay. I, I, I assume it's just a marketing choice and I'm, I'm content to let them make that kind of choice as long as it doesn't affect me. Yeah. In any substantive way, I think is the the last words that you could have used on that sentence. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if they were to start uh if they were if they were to make it OS ten and they remove the Mac part because they're gonna start selling versions of Mac OS ten that you can install on a PC, then that would be significant. And I would not like that change. But since it's the software is not changing, then I've got no problem with it. You know, total conspiracy theory, um, I remember some time ago, I'm sure he said it on many occasions, but Alex Lindsay, the uh, one of the frequent co-hosts, panelists on uh, MacBreak Weekly, and then does plenty of other Apple content and general creativity content. Uh, I remember very distinctly on at least a couple occasions him talking about the only way for Apple to survive being open sourcing OS X. Uh, I, I actually think he pitched it as Mac OS within the next five years. And I think the earliest I heard him say that was, I don't know, 2009, 2010, something like that. Uh, total um, conspiracy theory but just interesting that i remembered that because of your suggestion i owl has so much cash and they're <laughs> they're literally the most part the, the the um by market cap the largest company in the world um did they I, actually surpass exxon oh yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. they're well, now that there. yeah um I don't see them, you know, changing any strategies. Yeah, it, uh, especially it giving away stuff. Oh, that yeah, whole no, I, prediction I was, is I a was... lot funnier. That the 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 only way for them to survive, I think he was pitching it more in the in the sense of their desk their desktop OS specifically, and not the company as a whole. The only way for them to survive is to you know start letting other people into their into their swimming pool as well, so to speak. And now their HP is posting terrible losses. BlackBerry is. Uh, spiraling further into obsolescion. Uh, Dell, what was the news about Dell recently? I don't even remember. I just know that general PC-specific makers are plummeting, and Apple has completely leapfrogged and uh, just left them in the dust. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I mentioned in my article, I mentioned it twice, um, the the first was when we were talking about the when I was talking about breaking up uh, notifications, uh, uh, not notifications, um, reminders and notes into their own separate apps. Um, and I I was saying, well, this is nice, I guess, but what they should really do is they should break up iTunes. You know, <laughs> um, iTunes is like five or six different apps in one. It's your um, iPod and iPhone sync. It's your uh, place where you play music. It's your place where you play videos and TV shows. It's your place where you buy apps. It's your place where you buy music and videos. It's just, it's iTunes such. You. It's the place yeah. where you learn via iTunes U. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, just. So... And on the iPhone and other iOS devices, they are separate apps. Music is separate from videos, is separate from iTunes U, is separate from the App Store, is separate from the iTunes Store. And exactly i'm not sure why that was that was on my wish list but yeah and also consider the itunes brand i mentioned this in the death of mac when i was talking about the removal of mac um which is why i bring it up here um 
Apple has been known to perpetuate existing brands years after it no longer makes sense. You know, iTunes selling movies and apps mm-hmm. uh, if they don't have an updated branding strategy to move to. Uh, the fact that there is a deliberate public transition from Mac OS X to OS X may not indicate that the Mac is out of the picture, but it doesn't indicate nothing either. iTunes is also a social network. Oh, yeah. Ping. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I... I, I think that they, the, with the Twitter integration, they will probably dump Ping like it's two years ago's news. <laughs> Isn't it? It is. Yeah, that was a... Uh, what was that a part of? What was the, the primary announcement in that? I think it was just the iTunes 10 update. I kind of want to watch that again and watch Steve Jobs really, really try to convince people that Ping is super awesome because I don't think even he believed it. <laughs> which is strange because you know his personality and everything that we know about him you think he would have kiboshed it very quickly very distinctly yeah so let's talk positively about mountain lion because you two were poo-pooing the hell out of it (laughs) yeah no i mean i i've got nothing against the icloud integration it's not for me in a lot of cases but it's it's not hurting anything and if if more and more third-party apps start to take advantage of it for syncing and and just for centralized storage for simple stuff all the better so well let, let's just do this specifically uh is there one specific thing that you are absolutely most looking forward to airplay mirroring yeah, it's a game I, changer jason <laughs> you and that word i mm. <laughs> i the, the unfortunate thing is that you have to buy an apple tv and considering that i have a mac mini plugged into the tv i would love to just be able to do that now considering it's a fully fledged very powerful by uh, computer by comparison but uh that 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 is the one depressing thing about airplay mirroring is that i absolutely want it but i have to chalk up the hundred bucks for yet another device and probably turn uh turn that mac mini into obsolescence because i don't have any other use for it besides playing media directly on the tv well yeah that's the whole idea um you know you get an apple tv and then you know you hook that mac mini up to like a regular keyboard and mouse and then you just elsewhere in the room and you use that as your control center and then just send from the mac mini to the apple tv whatever you want to display on your tv yeah it, it could it could still be a headless system. Uh, it depends on how easy it is to activate air share, uh, air display mirroring. The uh, the movie made it seem very visually specific, but hey, maybe there'll be a shortcut in system preferences. Nathan, I just do you think have one that for, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I just think that um, in five years, your all the projectors you can buy will have AirPlay support. Uh, if Apple's smart, that is, and they allow um, manufacturers to integrate it, I mean, which they, they already they seem do that, right? With they, they have some their of the audio docs, stuff. But yeah, I think some of the audio stuff does. Um, but yeah, I mean, it will uh, in five years. Um, you know, people teaching at universities, law people giving presentations, or companies, everyone is just going to want to open up their Mac um, and hit share. Hit share. And then have it appear up on the big screen. The idea of you actually having to bring adapters and like hook up this cable, <laughs> and especially the the PC people that they have to hook up the cable and they have to hit like function F five and switch the uh, video display thingies and just that whole thing is just going to go away completely. And so that is why I think it's a game changer, Jason. Even though I know you hate that term, I, Apple's actually set themselves up nicely for 
getting rid of or severely demoting the cable stuff because in that displays menu bar icon, first of all, it's now the AirPlay icon, but you just go there and that's where you activate AirPlay mirroring once you've set it up. So it's just like switching switching monitors or, or anything like that. They've, yeah. they've kind of set it up for a smooth transition away from that, away from, to- from cables. We've already been doing this for a while. If you go, if you have an external display, you go into system preferences and hit displays, you can enable this little resolution changer in the menu bar. And now that just enables AirPlay mirroring. Yeah. In Mountain Line, it will. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. I just hate that word. I just hate the word game changer. It changes games, Jason. You can play games. Game Center is changing games. (laughs) <laughs> not screens anyways all right. All right. Very, very that that yeah i i since you said it i now won't as well but i agree with you entirely uh nathan do you have one specific thing you're really looking forward to i i am looking forward to the notifications thing for for a couple reasons i <laughs> why did i go last again you two just took everything away from <laughs> that i was going to talk about all right well you can you can talk no, about no, notifications no, no, too. no 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 go ahead, go ahead. All, right, all, all right i'll agree um, with you but go ahead and present your case I like the the idea of having everything kind of centralized into one notification system. And if Apple does it, more developers are going to buy into it. Uh, Growl is great, and I really like Growl. Um, but the the problem is when apps don't use it, where they've got their own ugly notifications that I can't configure and that are in the wrong place and everything. What so makes you think that they're going to use the notification center instead of continuing to use their old busted well, I, I, I probably am going to completely discredit myself by not being able to come up with any examples. But in the past, it seems like when Apple sets up a system for doing something, developers are more likely to use it. Like, like okay, in-app purchasing. There were other frameworks out there for in-app purchases where you went through a third party to, to enable in-app purchasing in your apps. And very, very few people did that. And then Apple puts in their own in-app purchasing system and suddenly people are using it. And there, I, that's just one example of, of that sort of thing. And it seems more likely that developers will start using notifications that are configurable centrally and uh, look nice just because Apple puts in a system that they can use and not be dependent on any third-party frameworks being installed. And the, the other half of this is Notification Center itself uh, with the, that, that's the alert half. The other half is Notification Center itself where you slide off part of your screen and it shows an iOS-like Notification Center. And it's got upcoming calendar events and any emails that you've gotten. If, if your email program sets an alert, it just shows up there like in iOS. You can, you can see all the stuff that you have to deal with and... It's, it's a nice overview, and that's something that there wasn't on a Mac. And actually, Microsoft Entourage, is that what it's called? Yeah, the, their, their email app, um, before they replaced it with Outlook, I think Outlook probably still does it, they've got a little app called My Day, which is just a little thing at the top right corner of your screen that shows upcoming calendar appointments and, and, uh, and a little overview of your calendar and your to-dos and your email, all that stuff. And that was actually, I, I never really used it because back when I had played around with that app, I didn't really have enough stuff on my calendar to make it useful. But I could, I could really see how that would be helpful to get that kind of an overview where you just slide, you, it's a little gesture on the trackpad or a button in the menu bar, and you've got all of that right there. And you don't have to switch between apps to check their notifications or anything. You can see what's important, what you want to deal with. And then just go to it really easily. And I think that would be helpful. 
So let's jump back in time a little bit. Let's jump back a month to the episode, to two episodes back with Daniel. We touched on notifications for OS X. And I didn't, I didn't want to derail the topic because we were like literally in the middle of a transition. But I got in a couple of points that I think are even more relevant now. And it's kind of funny that y- you want to talk about the, the the adage "missing the forest for the trees." We're all pretty guilty of that. Um, the context is that we were talking about the tiny little dock notifications uh, that you can enable in iTunes. This little one-off thing that you can enable so that a little Essentially, a speech bubble pops out of the iTunes icon whenever the track changes or starts, for that matter, uh, and it tells you what the artist and the title and the song title is. Um, that that little system is great, but when you start, it, it doesn't scale. You can't have multiple notifications um, if multi if the text is particularly long and multiple apps start speaking from the dock. It just becomes a nightmare in a hurry. Um, and frankly, what what Apple just did with Mountain Lion is they brought they they took a little bit of growl and jammed it into iOS, and they called it Notification Center. Uh, I'm presenting that kind of rudely, but that's that's the two biggest sources. But it looks so perfect. You think it looks good? I think it looks okay. I, I'm a huge fan of the linen. I, <laughs> I don't. Know There's more linen skeuomorphism, in Mountain Lion. Skeuomorphism. I really don't. Um, and, and the fact the fact that it's all centralized, like I, when they announced that messages beta for Mountain Lion was out for uh, for, I almost said Snow Leopard. Wow, when they announced that the messages beta was out for Lion, I jumped on it and I installed it and I adore it because um, to be able to just oh my phone chirped, I can look over at it and I can read it. And then I can just respond to it using the keyboard I'm I already have in front of me. Freaking fantastic! I cannot tell you. I, I cannot go. I can. I'm doing it right now. It's just it's so simple how this what what this centralization of everything enables you to be able to do. So also in the in episode 22, what I talked about is that. Um, as of Growl 1.3, which is the App Store version, uh, they they updated the SDK, which is why some apps that are dumb, like Skype, uh, why they have their own notification system. And I've seen it in Last.fm. I've seen it in um, apps like Chrome and apps that are cross-platform with Java have, and probably like Adobe Air, that kind of stuff. They all have their own completely distinct notification systems. Um but Growl implemented support so that you can use the Growl SDK. And even if the Growl daemon isn't available, you can still generate notifications through, I believe they call it Mist. And it's just a generic Growl-based notification system that you can just dump out a notification on the desktop. And it doesn't require any other aspect of Growl to already be there. Um, But now it will be there because Apple is putting it in. And... It's going to be great because I re- honestly do expect Growl to adopt this and say, your application already supports Growl. Why use anything else? And it'll just work for the user. There is no doubt in my mind that Growl will implement support for Notification Center and will instantly enable thousands of applications to just continue using this. And I, well, I hope that they do and it will be so good. The key question with that, though, is 
Will the notifications appear to be coming from their respective apps in Notification Center, or will they appear to be coming from Growl? Wouldn't be useful unless they're from their actual apps. I, would, right. I don't think they would bother. And that's the way Growl presents it now. But maybe maybe the API only allows, like, maybe the API just has, oh, this is the specific app. We'll just show that the name of the app that we're getting the message from and the message. Yes, so that, that all, all I, be- I completely agree that there are details that we obviously do not know that this rests very heavily on, but there's a solution somewhere. Like like even even if it's a growl, if it's a growl SDK, a growl API mapping that passes it through directly to Notification Center. I'm not I'm not saying that growl will be the proxy. I'm saying that growl will do something that will make it easier for applications that already support growl to just you know, trivially update and boom, mountain lion compatibility, mountain lion notification center compatibility. Um, I think it's really fortunate that they decided to go paid in the Mac app store when they did, because um, if they didn't do it then, then I think, I think that there are big, big opportunity to sort of cash out in terms of getting people to actually buy the app. Um, will pass once snow lion is out. <laughs> Nice. Well done. Way to jump jump on the bandwagon. You got to think that Apple talked to Growl about this uh, (laughs) in some fashion. Apple does not talk to anybody. (laughs) Except for all of the reporters that have had Mountain Lion for the, the, what, week or two leading up to the reveal. Well, that's that's different. That's PR. You know, Uh, PR doesn't... Well, they didn't ask John Gruber, so which feature should we implement they say here are the features do you have any questions well, that's not what i that's not what i meant by them talking to growl either you gotta you, you just have to think that apple has a dialogue with growl even if it's even if it's nothing to do with everything they announced in noti- uh, for mountain lions notification center that, why why would they have a dialogue with growl why would growl go into the mac app store an open because source product and something that that is stripping down like the core function of Growl for the past, I don't know, four or five years. You have to th- there. I, I'm not saying that it was anything specific. I'm not saying there was anything grandiose. I'm just saying that I really feel that Apple had some kind of a dialogue with some members, if not all of the core Growl team. I think you know if they didn't, and Growl continues to go ahead and play and be friends. More power to them. That's wonderful. I just, you know, there's there's something here in the series of events from Growl becoming a part of Apple's, you know, sanctioned process, and now Apple taking exactly what they've been doing forever and, you know, integrating it with everything that they've released on iOS. Theory. I, I, I'm I'm very I'm very conspiracy theorist here today. So well, I I nor- normally I would say I ver- I would I, normally I would say I completely doubt that um were it not for the fact that apparently they contacted someone about um creating a separate command line utility bundle um with apple libraries and utilities um so that, that people can install so that they don't need to install all of xcode if they want gcc and stuff like that for things like home exactly and they the, the fact that they invited in security researchers into the into the uh, the GM seeds for Snow Leopard. No, 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 that was for Lion itself. Never mind, I'm sorry. Um, the communication is getting better in productive ways, and that's that's where I'm sure where I'm drawing this conclusion from. But I still don't, I still, if I had to bet, I would say that Growl's not actually have contact with anyone at Apple. Um, the world will never know thanks to NDAs and contracts and... Uh, uh, all, all else associated they they can lie to our face in order to 
maintain any contractual obligation they had they took with apple i mean if there were a relationship apple would just implement growl you don't think they did have you seen the notifications in the corner top right corner black by default application icon title and message by implement i mean by implement i mean implement the growl api no so that developers that have because then it wouldn't be apple's well exactly that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Apple does its own thing. It may be exactly the same as something that this other thing has been doing for years, but they're not going to talk to the people that developed that. They're just going to do their own thing. They didn't They didn't contact Marco Arman or anybody that did read it later when they added the <laughs> I was going to make that exact Safari. same reference considering his, um, I believe, it, what was it during WWDC, his, uh, uh, his infamous one-word tweet when they announced right. the list. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, funny that uh, not at all surprising but funny that i was going to make the exact same reference uh, that he, yeah. he was obviously very much uh one-sided uh broadsided there you go broadsided yep. by that announcement the thing Part- that i'm most looking forward to is probably the improvements to screen sharing um i've loved the fact that they've been built on top of vnc for a while and i think there may be a lot more than they're letting on uh the fact that you can just drag a file directly into vnc it's something that Windows Remote Desktop has been doing for a long time, and I am so looking forward to it, uh, to being able to do that uh, mountain line to mountain line. I don't think that was an announced feature, Jason. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, wasn't, it, wasn't. it wasn't in the big eight, but it was in the video, the, the video preview of the features. All right. They just All showed right. it, dropping it right on the inner desktop and the remote desktop. I guess you're safe then. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm running it now or anything. It's not like I'm part of the, yeah. the OS X developer seed program. So I guess I guess since we haven't really delved into the factual, um, what we what we do know is that in addition to all of this, uh, OS X is going to jump on a consistent yearly major release schedule, just like uh, the major iOS versions one, two, three, four, five have been approximately a year apart. But Apple is officially announcing that major point releases, i.e., ten seven to ten eight, and in theory, 10.9 will be out in 2013 because uh, here we are. 10.8 is going to be released, uh, they said, what, summer this year? Yeah. And so that probably means that they will have a, uh, I assume it means that they'll have some sort of a conference and their their big their big result will be whatever else they decide to add in to the release and the uh, the availability time. And if there's they're, any they're gonna run out of numbers. They can go to 1010 and 1011, 1012. I doubt they will. I know that they they technically could. Emacs is on what version 24, but what no, version's I, AOL up to? Oh wait, they dropped the numbers. No, well, yeah, exactly. AOL <laughs> dropped the, their their numbers once they went past 10. Everything drops their numbers when they go past 10. Even Apple, they went, you know, Mac, um, system one, two, three, four, five, six, seven became macOS seven, eight, nine mac os 10 10.1 10.2 10.3 you see i mean what they'll probably do is they'll create you know mac os 10.10 and then 10.10.1 10.10.2 and the next 10 years will be 10.10. you know what i mean you got to think that there's one more thing that'll happen that very very dramatically a culmination of everything that they've been doing over the past four years and then they'll call that os 11 or maybe there won't even be a there may not even be a uh, OS 10.9, OS 10.9. Maybe maybe they'll they'll finish this off uh calling it Mountain Line and then the next release will one drop the cats and two will become OS 11. It's certainly possible that they may may even stop like with 
like a, the the idea of a single release uh, releasing software like big software updates made more sense when you actually package the release on media that you had to ship out and print and press and all that uh now that they're switching to a mac app store model um now that they did switch to a Mac app store yeah, model. Yeah, they could literally just update any aspect of the operating system continuously. And then with the um the boot the firmware um loader that they're that they have on the new Macs, it'll just download the latest version that's supported by the hardware. Yeah. So it seems to me that Apple may or at least they have the option to switch to not having any version numbers at all in the future, and just have like a general a general product name. There'll, there'll still exactly. be a version number because we we know we are on iOS five oh one, and uh, the next the next big release is going to be five one, barring any latent security uh, announcement that they need to patch in a hurry. And then all that's left for Apple to do, in my opinion, is to actually start piecemealing their apps out so that you don't have to update the whole OS just to get an update to Safari or any other of the, the core app distributions. Actually, um, apparently the updates for in, in Mountain Lion are all going through the Mac App Store, so I don't necessarily know if system software oh, is yeah. going to be... Software, um, yeah, they, they said software update was rolling yeah. into App Store and notifications were going into the notification center. But I could definitely see that, you know, it'll pop up, oh, Safari, blah, 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 is, is available for update, and it looks just like the update for a regular Mac App Store app. Maybe. I could see that. <laughs> Not there yet, and yes, that that would be uh that would be yeah. quite beneficial. So yeah, they'll they'll they won't go to ten dot eleven or whatever. Um, simply they'll because ten dot ten and then ten dot x <laughs> something. <laughs> um, but I think that what they'll probably do is it'll they'll probably just get rid of the numbers altogether. This is just OS ten. You just have OS ten. What version? Not important. You just have OS ten <laughs> for the common man, right? I think we've about covered uh, the information that we have available to us so far. This has been the Ask Different Podcast. You can find our show in most podcast apps by searching for Ask Different Podcast. Our direct RSS link and show notes for this and all of our episodes are available at apple.blogoverflow.com. You can reach us anywhere on Ask Different or at podcast at askdifferent.net. Thanks for listening.